Well, we're spending a few minutes this morning looking at the final chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, but before we read it, though, I thought it would be quite helpful just to compare the start and end of the Gospel of John uh, with how the other three Gospels start and end. You see, how they differ throws some light on uh, what we're thinking about this morning. So, here's a little grid that we can start filling out and we can begin with Mark. As you can see, the Gospel of Mark starts with Jesus getting baptised and ends with the resurrection of Jesus. So just a little short Gospel. And next is Matthew. Matthew starts a few years earlier than Mark with the birth of Jesus and finishes a few days later than Mark with Jesus talking to his followers and giving them the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. So Matthew, slightly bigger time frame than Mark. And then we get to Luke, and we discover that Luke's time frame is a little bit bigger too. He tells us about the birth of John the Baptist, so a few months before Jesus' birth. And then Luke finishes a little later than Matthew by describing Jesus ascending into heaven. Okay, so Mark has the shortest time frame, Matthew slightly longer, Luke longer still. I wonder how about John, especially the ending as that's what we're thinking about this morning. Well John starts way, way back, you know, he's sort of like Matthew's and Luke about here and John is way over there, way, way back, before anything existed before creation, before space-time. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and through the Word everything was made. Amazing. The Word became flesh and lived among us. That's Jesus. So the good news about Jesus, the Gospel, starts even before creation. So if John starts much earlier than the other Gospels with Jesus and the beginning of creation, where does he end? Does the final chapter of John describe how things will be way into the future? Does it reveal what our future life with Jesus will be like? Well, let's have a look. Cooked breakfast. Oh my. Not just any cooked breakfast, but breakfast cooked by Jesus. I was really tempted to have a little stove here this morning and with the smell of bacon sort of wafting through. But that wouldn't have been quite biblically correct. <clears throat> but the Gospel of John starts with Jesus creating the universe and coming to live with us and ends with Jesus cooking breakfast for his friends. His friends enjoying life with Jesus. Let's move on to the reading. You could come up and... Thank you. The reading is taken from John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. 
and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples who Jesus loves said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning on the coals, and there were fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for that. Now you've probably got an idea of why we've got the netting and the sort of fish. Haven't got 153 in there, but it's just the remnants of the fish that was on the, uh, just to set the scene a little bit. It's worth noting that this event right at the end of John picks up on some of the themes that run throughout the gospel. Themes like light and darkness, abundance, people recognising or failing to recognise Jesus, and most importantly, friendship. It starts with Peter seems to be at a loss as to what to do. He's a man of action and, and waiting is not what he does. So he decides to do what he thinks he's best at and, and comfortable doing. Hey, lads, I'm going fishing. And the others join him. They fish all night. They're working in darkness. And they catch nothing. They're working in darkness and they catch nothing. And early in the morning, at break of day, as the light begins to shine, Jesus appears on the shore. And it's a picture of the new life and light that Jesus brings. It's a reminder that Jesus rose from death at break of day, start of a new day. And it's an invitation to work in the light and not in the darkness. But they don't recognise him. Friends! He shouts out. They don't recognise him. It's interesting that when Mary met the risen Jesus, she too didn't recognise him at first. It was when he spoke her name that her heart was open to see him. Haven't you any fish? They still don't recognise him. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. It's an invitation to be fruitful. They still don't recognise him. 
they catch 153 large fish. That's a big number. We'll come back to that. I wonder if you've seen Wordle, the online word game. It started to become popular in October last year and it now has millions worldwide playing it every day. And each day there's a new five-letter word to try and discover within six guesses. Does anyone here play it? Quite a lot, so quite a lot recognise it. I've been playing Wordle for a while now and I'll say exactly how long in a bit. I always start with the same guess. A-I-D-E-R. And if I now enter it into Wordle, it will tell me how close it is to today's word. Well, it's not actually today's word, it's the word for the day when I was preparing the talk. So there we go. Hmm. Only the E is right, because it's shaded. And even that's not in the right place, because if it was in the right place, it would be highlighted in green. So, we're looking for a five-letter word with an E in it. Five-letter word with an E in it, possibly related to today's talk. Any, any suggestions? Empty. empty, that's a good one. Could be empty. Any other offers? Easter, I think, is six letters. Five-letter word. Hard to... You, not recognising it. Just like the disciples. It's Jesus. There we go. Anyway, that was just a little quiz for us. I must admit, though, I'm feeling a little bit under pressure today because by coincidence, today is the hundredth day in a row that I've been playing Wordle. And I haven't done it yet today, so don't tell me. But so far, I've got 99 right in a row. <gasps> so anyway, this afternoon's going to be a bit of pressure. <laughs> Although I like Wordle, I'm actually drawn more to a, a similar online game called Nerdle. It's more for nerds. It's because Nerdle's based on numbers rather than uh, letters. And it's equations rather than words. And I like it because uh, I have a maths background and I find it's more sort of logical to try and work out. And my average for Wordle is four guesses and for Nerdle is only three, so I do better at Nerdle than Wordle. So why tell you about Wordle and Nerdle, you might be thinking? Well, it's because the disciples caught 153 large fish. You've got to make something equal 153. Is there any significance to the number? What's John trying to tell us? Well, like Nerdle is popular today, trying to explain what the number 153 meant, or means, was very popular around about 400 AD. And to try and answer that question, many people used different combinations of these common numbers. So it was thought that three represents the Trinity, and seven, the sevenfold spirit, etc. You can read those on the screen. 
So first of all, we have Cyril of Alexandria. In the early 400s, he suggests that 100 plus 50 plus 3 is 153. Well, that's quite right. <laughs> Not too difficult, is it? And so he says the 153 represents everyone because it's the Gentiles plus the Israel plus the Trinity. Interesting. Nice one, Cyril. <laughs> Augustine, also around the same time, reckoned that 153 is 3 times 50 plus 3. And to him, that suggested the Trinity. Okay. But he also had another idea. 153 is 10 plus 7 triangulated. Ooh. A triangulated means it's 17 plus 16 plus 15 all the way down to plus 1. And triangulated apparently adds an extra emphasis to the 10 plus 7, which is God's ways of spirit plus law. Okay, so do any of these resonate with you yet? No, I don't see many nodding. Well, how about this then? This is another one. Uh, if we use a code and make A equal to 1 and B equal to 2 and C equal to 3, uh, this is called geometria. Then with this scheme, the letters of the phrase the church of love in Greek uh, add up to 153. So too do the letters of the phrase the children of God. So quite a lot of options. Perhaps nowadays we could make it the 1% question on the TV programme The 1% Club. I don't know if you've started watching that. We could have Lee Mack asking what is the meaning of 153 and everyone going, I wish I'd taken the money. It's always useful to go deeper and get different perspectives how God has spoken through the ages and to see the sorts of things that people come up with because it does add some light to what we're thinking about. It's right to reflect on and struggle to study what God has said. We're not meant to just look at it and immediately understand what's in the Bible. We're supposed to use all of our mind and body and soul and strength to seek God and trying to find out what it is he's saying. But my simple suggestion this time, although we've done all this study, is 153 is meant to prompt a very common biblical response. Wow. Even with so many large fish, the net was not tall. You could say worship, but wow was just easier to fit on. In fact, we can imagine the disciples in the boat Wow, look at all these fish. Massive. Hey, it reminds me of when we first met Jesus and he had us to... Hang on. That is Jesus. That's no stranger on the shore. It's Jesus. How come we didn't recognise Jesus when he called us friends? How come we didn't recognise Jesus when he asked us if we'd got any fish? How come we didn't recognise Jesus when he told us to throw the nets on the right side of the boat? Yet when they catch 153 large fish, 
they recognised Jesus because it reminded them of what Jesus does and what he's like. That's similar to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognise Jesus at first. It was when he broke bread and gave thanks that they recognised him by what he did. So helping them fish is what Jesus had done before when he first called them to leave their nets and follow him. Jesus' desire was to draw his friends closer, for them to recognise to recognise him and to enjoy being with him. 153 large fish. It's the sort of abundance that so often happens when Jesus interacts with his friends, like you and me. It's the sort of abundance that happens in our lives when we live close to Jesus. They'd laboured in the dark for hours but had caught nothing. Now in the new day, with Jesus, their catch is huge. When Jesus comes alongside us and we recognise him when we respond, our life takes off. Are we seemingly struggling at something with no result? Do we seem to be working in the dark? Are we living proof that without Jesus we can do nothing? Perhaps we should listen for and recognise Jesus calling out, Friend, how's it going? Is this the start of a new day for us? You see, Jesus wants to draw us closer. He wants us to recognise him and enjoy being with him. I read in the week that the Queen was walking near Sandringham with her close protection officer. It was raining, and so the Queen was well wrapped up. And some American tourists approached, and not recognising who it was, asked if she'd ever seen the Queen. To which she replied, I haven't, but he has, <laughs> pointing to her close protection officer. Unlike his disciples... We've never physically seen Jesus and unhelpfully the picture usually painted of Jesus show him as a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man rather than a black-haired, brown-eyed, olive-skinned Mediterranean. So probably enough of that. However, what Jesus looks like is not important at the moment. We will see him face to face one day but for now, we recognise him by what he says and by what he does. Just as, a, just as the disciples did in our story. They weren't totally sure by looking at Jesus that it was him. His resurrection body somehow bewildered them. Yet he called them out of darkness into the light of a new day. He invited them closer and into fruitfulness. He cooked breakfast. A relationship with Jesus means that he draws us into the light, his light. Now our failures may be exposed, 
like the disciples' lack of any fish. But as we listen to Jesus and as we obey him, what we do becomes fruitful. When they recognise Jesus, not only is what they do fruitful, but they are drawn into a closer relationship. Hey, who wants to cook breakfast? Let's enjoy some time together. It may not be fish that we catch with God, but with God there are no half measures. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us too to enjoy the life lived alongside him. Today, Jesus calls out to us, friends, today Jesus invites us to draw closer out of our darkness into his light. Today, Jesus wants us to enjoy a life lived alongside him. going to move into a time of worship where we can respond to the Lord where we can ask the Lord Lord let me hear your voice call me by name call me friend let me listen to you Lord be in my life, be everything to me all day every day let me enjoy your presence not just at breakfast but for the whole day Amen.